This episode is brought to you by Monkey Blood Design and Publishing. Hiya folks, Old Man Grognard here. Imagine, create, play. Monkey Blood Design and Publishing is a publisher of products for role-playing games from the theater of the mind glory days of the 70s and 80s to the in-depth rule systems of modern gaming. Monkey Blood Design and Publishing is also the home of the Gold Any Award-winning The Midderland setting and its creator, Glenn Seal. Monkey Blood ships quality gaming products around the world from their UK web store, but you can also find their products on DriveThruRPG, Itch.io, and Redbubble. Not only do they offer high-quality gaming material, but if you need a piece of cartography, art, writing, or layout for your own project, Monkey Blood Design and Publishing can offer freelance services to help bring your own project to creation. So, if you want to buy some great RPG products or get help bringing your own to fruition, head on over to monkeyblooddesign.co.uk and get in touch. Let Monkey Blood Design and Publishing help you to imagine, create, and play. Abed than all hope, listeners. You're listening to Radio Grognard, the OSR podcast about stuff with your host Glenn Hallstrom. Hiya folks, old man Grognard here. Hope you're all doing well. It's going to be a nice day, I think. Well, uh, I got some stuff to talk about, but before we do that, I have a voicemail from Kevin at the Red Caps podcast. Go ahead, Kevin. Hey Glenn, it's Kevin calling you from the Red Caps podcast. I was listening to a bunch of your episodes and the one about refreshing your kit caught my ear and thought I'd give you a call. The one thing I'd recommend taking a look at, if you haven't already seen it, is Ben Middleton, uh, also known as Questing Beast on YouTube, has an old video. It was the very first video of his I think I ever saw where he took Magic the Gathering cards and little wooden discs to make really, really cool-looking tokens. So you had mentioned that you prefer to use tokens over miniatures uh, for conventions. Um, I thought this might be a cool video for you to watch to get some other ideas on how to make some some neat-looking tokens. Anyhow, hope that's helpful, and uh, you have a fantastic day, and I'll keep listening. Take care. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate that. Yeah, I did see Questing Beasts video unfortunately i saw it a little too late because i'd read a blog post previous to that like months before about making tokens using uh, magic cards which i did some were magic cards somewhere i printed out like you know pictures from off the internet and made them but i ended up using fender washers one inch fender washers and I used those, and I kind of wished I would have saw Questing Beasts beforehand because he used cardboard, and I found out too late that metal's heavy. <laughs> and so I've got a whole big old, like, big tackle box full of tokens now that are, and though half of them are cardboard because I bought the Monster Vault from 4E, a box where some guy sold it at half price books where looks like it was the monster vault plus he threw in like two or three other modules worth of tokens in there and it was full of the brim so half those are but half of them are metal are are the washers and so this thing is heavy i kind of wish i would have seen questing beast i would have been and it never occurred to me i could i could do that i don't know why anyway but thank you very much kevin for sending that in Anyway, so I wanted to talk about 
mm, complexity in role-playing games. Uh, the reason I did, I do, because I saw a video from Chalice and Chains on YouTube where he talks about it. And I kind of wanted to give my perspective on it. Not that I haven't done that before, but just saying. Uh, as far as, see, I'm not a complexity guy, but I get it. I get it. And what I mean is, I, I spent, you know, I went through my period where I was, I didn't, I'm not going to say complexity, but more like mid-max. Because, like I said, my 12 years of champions, that'll get you to min-max right there. That'll, you know, you got all the bells and whistles and all this stuff. You can do anything with it. It's a toolbox. And all you have to do is balance out the points, theoretically. And I learned later on, there's sometimes when you, if, I, if you're playing that game, there are times when you don't have to balance out the points, especially if you're the game master and you need opponents, and uh, I'd learned too late on how to do that in a reasonably quick manner, I guess. But like that's what I mean. I get it. My grandson Gage is going through that right now because, and he may stay that way because he wants he's he's heavy into five E right now. He plays the OSR games like I do, but. You know, he plays in those, and he does run them, but he's also runs five, he also tries his hand at running 5, and he plays in a lot of 5e games, and he loves all the, all the min-maxing, all the bells and whistles, all the, the tweaks he can do to a character. That's all well and good. I mean, if you enjoy that, that's fine. But I notice as you get older, the complexity thing starts to fall away and go, I just want to play. I don't want to spend hours making this. I just want, or having, and I don't want to spend the time trying to memorize all this because he's got a memory like a steel trap as far as rules and things you can do with the with the game. And, you know, I, I almost admire him for that. I do admire him for that. He's my grandson. And, I, and the fact that he's got that kind of mind. And I'm not saying he's not going to have that mind when he gets older. But as you, as, like I said, as you get older, you get tired and you get, wrapped up in your world, wrapped up in your work, wrapped up in your family, and you just want to play. So that's why I rely on OSR. But like I said, that's for the most part. There are people out there who just, you know, they're in their 60s, 70s, whatever. They still play the same way they used to with all the, all the complexity and the gears and, you know, tweaking this and tweaking that and all that kind of stuff. So I'm not going to deny they're not having, of course they're having fun. But what I'm, you, I get, you get what I'm saying. As, as you get older, you want something more simple. And I've come to appreciate the more simple systems because I found out the simpler the system, the more my imagination kicks into overdrive. I love when players say, can I do this? And then I can decide and I can look at the situation because I always felt that more bells and whistles and stuff like that starts taking away the, taking away the GM's role. I'm not going to say power or control, role. 
because everybody has, uh, you know, you're all making the story together. Everything happens at the table. As I said before, the game happens at the table, but everybody has a role to play. Players have their role to play. The GM has his role to play. And I don't like to see the anybody's, you know, role eroded and the GM's role gets go role get eroded to a certain extent when there's a lot of bells and whistles in there. Now, I'm sure in the when there are other there are other situations where the players' roles get eroded, especially if you start getting those GMs who have a lot of control issues and want to do the railroad and all that. Okay, so it goes both ways. But I hate to see when the things when things get easier on the GM side, the rules side. That's when you got players say, "Can I do this?" And I don't think my opinion is players being players. Yes, they trust the GM, but at the same time, they don't want to be beholden to the GM saying, can I do this? Is this allowed? They want to just be able to do it. Understand that? Been a player. But, you know, you know that's, that's, what, how, that's how the rules, that's how the game is played. It's a tennis match, back and forth and back and forth. And when there's more complexity, it, it tends to go more into the player's court than the GM's. And now, yes, the GM has the power of saying, no, that doesn't apply here, or no, we're not going to use this, or something like that. But at the same time, you want to give them their due. You want to give the players their due. And, you know, you can't take everything away, although I've seen GMs do it. I don't feel you should take let them take everything, everything away. But you know, then they start getting resentful and they start not trusting you and second-guessing you and things like that. Bad things happen. So what I'm saying is in my stage of life or actually more like more like I've always been this way. You know, I'm more of a creative guy. I'm a visual guy. I'm a creative guy. What can I do? And as a player, that's helped because I'm saying to the GM, what can I do? And these more current games, more complex games, they say, well, look on your sheet and see what you can do. Well, I don't, okay, fine, I, I can do that, but I'd rather do that in conjunction of, I want to try this neat trick, will this fit, type of thing. And that's what, I think that's what most people do with more complex, most players do. But it, I, I just like the idea of less is more. And, you know, to me, I've always said art begins with the taking away. You start making limits, you know, boundaries, then the whole thing is, how do you think out of the box when you're in that box? You put you put somebody in a box, and this is not a bad thing. I mean, if you put too many limitations, then you don't have a game. You don't have, you don't have anything. You can't do anything. And I don't want the players to get, well, I can't do anything. You can do everything. But these are the limits of my world. These are the limits of what I've come up, of, of what I, I feel, and we've agreed on this, say, in session zero. So take that and run with it. What can you do with it? And as a GM, I got to make sure that the limitations aren't so severe that they can't do anything because that can happen. You can lock down a game too, too much. So like I said, it's a give and take, and I prefer the more simplistic games. Anyway, I've said my piece. I'm going to go start my day. So if you guys want to talk to me about this or anything else, oldmangrognar at gmail.com, or you can drop a voicemail on Anchor. We are monetized, so as little as 99 cents a month, you too can help support this program, and I would thank you. We have a single donation option in my Ko-fi page, ko-fi.com slash oldmangrognar. And I would like to thank these people who give on the monthly side. Jonathan, Oliver, Gilbert, Juan, Carlos, Daniel, Dan, Benjamin, Jason, John Allen, 
Maren, Michael, Randy, and Joe. Thank you. And for very for other good podcasts, other I can get it out. Other good podcasts. There's Dan Griggs, the Young Y U N G Young Grognard podcast. Mark C. Wallring's the Yawning Albert podcast. We have Kevin Kevin over at Red Caps podcast. We heard him earlier. We also have Big John Allen Large's Red Dice Diaries. Daniel Norton's Bandits Keep podcast, Randy and Joe, the biggest geekest podcast, and my friend Eric Tinkar's Tavern Chat. So, until I see you folks next time, keep the dice warm and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Questions? Comments? Send them to oldmangrognard at gmail.com. We'll see you next time when Radio Grognard is on the air. (laughs) 